The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Wrestling to the Max, Monday Night Raw, Review. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wrestling to the Max's Raw Review. Uh, obviously, I'm not Gary. I'm Paul Leeser. I'm your host tonight since uh, Gary is off on a boat somewhere out in the ocean having a grand old time. Uh, joining me, however, this week is Mr. Harry Broadhurst. You know, if we could use licensed music, I feel like Lonely Islands, I'm on a boat would have been perfect for tonight. Uh, you would have been spot on. Or, or the theme from Love Boat. He wishes he was on Love Boat. <laughs> I know it's just him and his wife out there that's go around for him, so. <laughs> uh, still no love on that boat. Yeah, well, he, that's, that's fair. If you do listen to this show, we we do joke around a lot that Amanda is just mostly putting up with Gary, so. <laughs> it, it, I, I'd, I'd laugh, but it's not funny if it's true. It's not oh. true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bitter tonight, Paul. I just lost a fantasy football game on quite literally the last play of the game. I'm in a foul mood. This should be fun. That's a very exciting Monday night game uh, that Raw just probably couldn't keep up with in its entirety, even though we'll get we'll get into all that. First of all, I, I need to thank some people here, mostly 411mania.com and lastwordonprowrestling.com. They put us up. They support us. They're wonderful, wonderful people over there. Uh, also, uh, we're around on the w2mnet.com website as well. That's our home. You can find all of our great shows there, such as this one, or Wrestling to the Max, or Wrestling Unwrapped, or many, many others, MMA to the Max. Lots of great stuff there. As well as you can subscribe to us out there, iTunes, Google Play, I mean, basically whatever you use, we're on there. iHeartRadio is another great one. We're out there. We're waiting for you to find us, so you can just hit that subscribe button. Wrestling to the Max, or if you want everything, W2M Network, another great place to go to. This Raw, however, um, this is uh, maybe the very definition of touch and go, but it is all going somewhere, so at least there's that. And they open with a match, Harry, which I, um, God, I don't think I can tell you when the last time Raw did that. Last month. Well, see, I already forgotten. <laughs> No, it just it happens so rarely that people tend to forget, but it does happen on occasion. It, it does happen on occasion. And in this case, it's Braun Strowman taking on Seth Rollins, so it's something that's had some build from last week. I thought this was a really great move. They pull you right in. These guys go about ten and a half minutes. Uh, lots of great back and forth. It looked like, uh, from the bits I've seen so far, it looks like the size differential played off of it very well. Braun, however, of course, is going to squash people because that's what Braun do, and he eventually comes through. Uh, he puts a beat down on Seth post-match. Here comes Dean to make the save. However, he comes up short, and this leads to the bar coming in to exact some revenge and puts the beat down on those guys. So, uh, this is just the beginning of a very long story that we're going to keep feeding into throughout the evening. But what you think about the open here, Gary? Or, jeez, Gary, Harry, my God. Yeah, it, it, it's bad enough he's not here. The fact that we rhyme makes it worse. Yes. <laughs> My, I, I wager that will not be the last time I do that on this episode. 
I, I have the over under at four, so yeah. as long as we can stay under, I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right. Um, as far as the opening contest goes, um, typical Seth Rollins Braun Strowman match we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing new here, nothing exciting here, but at the same time. Not exactly a pairing we get all that often because they kind of tend to keep Braun away from the main eventers, except for when he was feuding with Roman. The only one he really wrestled was Roman then. And then when he was with Brock, they kept him kind of against the lower mid-carter so he could go out there and just squash guys. Mm-hmm. Now that he's trying to find his footing in the upper card of Raw, I think he needs a re- rehabilitational performance such as the one last week against Ambrose and the one tonight against uh against Seth Rollins in order to help build him back up after losing the way that he lost to Brock Lesnar at no mercy. Do you have a problem of it being the tag team champions that they're feeding to him? Uh, yes and no. I mean, honestly, as far as the raw roster goes, who who else really has the kind of credibility that he could defeat such as this? And it actually mean anything besides Rollins and Ambrose. I mean, other than, other than Finn Balor, but he's still busy convalescing, dealing with Bray Wyatt. Mm Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm not sure that I would want them sacrificing Finn Balor to Braun Strowman when there's so much more that can be done with Finn Balor, especially the fact that he's never really gotten his contractually obligated one-on-one rematch. It's very true, and I feel like maybe Finn and Braun is going to be something they're going to want to protect down the line. So uh, I, as much as it does suck that it has to be the tag team champions, I agree with you entirely. There's not a lot of other people on the roster that you could conceivably feed to Braun that's going to make it seem like he's bouncing back pretty quick and that losing to Brock was basically an aberration. Um, I I don't really know where you go after this um, because he basically squashed both guys, and unless he's just going to keep running people over until Brock comes back around, there's not a lot of options out there for him. And just as importantly with that goes, obviously we see the where the future lies for Seth and Dean a little bit later on in the broadcast, so kind of leaves Seth and Dean out of dealing with Strowman, doesn't it? I, I would think so. I mean, unless they're going to pull Braun into all of that. Um, which, Unlikely. I, I don't want to throw it out the window because this is WWE we're dealing with, and like I said, there's... It, there's not a lot of other really big guys I think he can work with on the roster unless they're going to have him step down. And um, I mean, it's not like, obviously, we're waiting on Samoa Joe to come back, too, which I think would be a really fun pairing. But uh, I, I think that could be really fun if they decide to capitalize on that. But you'd have to turn Joe, and I I really liked Joe before he got hurt. so Or vice versa, you'd have to turn Braun Babyface, and I'm not sure that's a trigger they want to pull either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we'll just sort of have to, I guess, wait and see on the Braun front. But as you just alluded to, Harry, we do get some more build-up to where we're moving on here as uh, both Roman and Miz get interviewed throughout the evening leading up to their Intercontinental Championship match. Uh, The greatest thing ever is the Mizrage coming out through the crowd like the Shield, which is just wonderful. Uh, Reigns comes out early and ends up taking out uh, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel during the introductions. And that basically leaves it one-on-one. It's still, however, not enough, though, because here comes the bar at the end of the match, about 11 minutes to force the DQ. Uh, There are flashes of chemistry I'm seeing here between these two. Um, I I know The Miz gets sort of a a rough bag, but he's constantly... I don't think I've seen somebody who, from day one to where they are in the present, constantly get better and better every single time they go out there. And The Miz certainly does that. I think he's maybe 
almost an unsung ring general at times because I, I think he and Roman went through this perfectly before we get to the shenanigans. Um, I've said many times and I've stand by this statement until at the time that everybody in the higher up sees the same thing that we as some of the fans are saying here. Miz has been the most valuable player in the WWE since the brand extension. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even better than uh, even better than AJ Styles, I would say, due to the fact that he has the he has the promo ability to back it up as well, whereas Styles is questionable on the microphone. I would say Miz has hung step for step in the ring with everybody's that he, everybody that he's been in the ring with ever since the brand extension. And arguably, in every single case, made them look like better performers coming out of it as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's very hard to disagree with that, especially if you look at his history with Dolph, who uh, I would argue maybe both of their best work, uh, both ring-wise and feud-wise, and- in their time with the company. And look where Dolph's gone since. The mm-hmm. feud with Nakamura afterwards. I mean, obviously Miz got the IC title back, but the feud with Nakamura afterwards, and well, not a whole lot else since. I mean, it's not like it was all roses for Miz when he got to Raw either. The limping through life feud with Dean carried over. And uh, I, I really, when he's around somebody who WWE is focusing on, Miz really shines. I think when any time they give him the spotlight. There's a very large part of me that would love to see him try to challenge for the top title over here on Raw or whether he makes it back to SmackDown sometime. Like, I I vastly believe he deserves another run at the top. I agree with you that he deserves another run on the top. I want him nowhere near Brock Lesnar because I don't think Lesnar – frankly, I don't think Lesnar will take care of him enough. And I don't <laughs> think that the booking committee will care enough about Miz to protect him in that match either. I want Miz nowhere near Lesnar. I, I agree with you entirely. I, it's not going to happen so long as Brock is at the top, just because, for one, Miz shines here in the Intercontinental title spotlight. They, Even if they're not doing anything with him, I still think he manages to stand out very well. And that's something I don't think they want to take away with him, even though that could happen during all this. Uh, and here in the post-match here, you have uh, the bar and Miz beat down Roman some more, and they hit the uh, the Cerberus bomb on Reigns as well and do the shield pose afterwards, except the bar have their thumbs out because, you know, they're the bar. So already you can see where this is going. Well, they teased it even more at the end of the episode. So why don't we talk about that as well? All right. So uh, fast forwarding to the end of everything. Roman is licking his wounds, sitting in a chair uh, in his locker room. Dean Ambrose approaches from stage left and uh, gives him the nice little nod. And they sort of have a nice, Maybe too long little uh, moment together before Seth enters the picture, and then they all sort of look around each other and just sort of nod. So, S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion in full, and honestly, I'm kind of surprised they never pulled the trigger on this sooner, because I fully believe if you're going to give Roman the best chance to get over again as a face, this is the way to do it, because people still love the S.H.I.E.L.D., they still want the S.H.I.E.L.D., uh... And I can't say I'm not excited. I was a huge fan of the Shield the first time around too, and there's enough foil around for them. I think to to really gel if they want to stick this out long term. I think that with Cesaro and Sheamus with Miz, it makes more sense for the Shield to reunite as a threesome. If it was just mm-hmm. Dallas and Axel, then I wouldn't buy it as a necessity. Right. And I think that has more to do with the way that Dallas and Axel have been portrayed on television over the course of the last year. Mm-hmm. That being said. With guys as legitimately badass as Sheamus and Cesaro are, 
Ambrose and Rollins realigning with with uh, Roman in order to take on Cesaro, Sheamus, and Miz makes perfect sense. And I fully expect during Miz TV next week on Raw, we get the Sierra Hotel int- introduction and them making their way through the crowd. I wouldn't be shocked. I also wouldn't be shocked if maybe they tease this out a little bit more. Um, Roman how has seen very intent on wanting to stay separate from this. And I wouldn't be opposed to them teasing it out like they did with, with Seth and Dean, where they, obviously they were the bigger breakup. You know, they had all the feuds afterwards and the trust issues and, and all of that. I, I kind of want to see a little bit of that here, too. You don't have to play it out as long, but I don't want it to be immediate, you know? Well, Ambrose and Raw and Reigns have always been portrayed as boys, so if Ambrose trusts Rollins, then I would assume that Reigns would as well. Yeah, and, and I mean, with this with this shot to end the show... I mean, it's basically assured that we're gonna they're gonna come out together the next time we see them. So, I as much as I would have preferred to see them tease us out, this episode of Raw I feel like did a very strong job, not only with carrying the Miz and making you know the oppositions feel threatening enough to do this, but they've teased this out too for a long time where it's it's finally time to get the band back together. And for that, I'll applaud them because I think this is something they did very well across the entire show. Agreed. Uh, so, rewinding back some more, uh, let's talk about the ladies who I felt like was probably the worst part of the show. Uh, you have Mickey James. Mickey and Ni- Mickey right. and Nia wasn't terrible. Okay, uh, I I have more problems with continuity here because you have they they show the segment from last week with Mickey and Alexa, which I thought was pretty good. And you have Mickey show up, and Alicia Fox and Emma are sort of sitting there making fun of her and laughing at her about her age and say that she has a secret admirer. And there's uh, a box of adult diapers in her locker room, and she gets all pissed off, goes around looking for Alexa. A walker. Huh? There was a walker in there as well. There was a walker as well, yeah. Subtle as always. (laughs) James goes to Alexa Bliss's locker room, and Alexa is back hanging out with Nia Jack. Nia Jax, wow. Uh, and there's no explanation as to why they're friends again, so immediately everything they built up to just feels like it didn't matter. And Alexa says that Nia has no problem sharing the ring with a senior citizen, essentially, so that leads to their match, to which uh, Mickey wins via disqualification with Bliss doing the run-in. I, I think you're missing a big. I think you're missing a big part of the story there. The story. The story that they told was that Mickey had Nia beat before the run-in, because Mickey hit her Mickey DT, the tornado DDT, mm-hmm. and put Nia down. And it didn't look like Nia was moving until at least after a three count there. So I think they told the underdog story for Mickey quite well there. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to Mickey James and Alexa Bliss at uh no at excuse me t- tables ladders and chairs for the women's title and I think a lot of that has to do with it's nice to get somebody different into the title picture even if that somebody doesn't necessarily have the credibility that she should given the fact that until this feud started and we talked and I, Gary and I talked about this last week when I filled in for you mm-hmm. that. The last time we had seen Mickey on television before that appearance, she was getting beaten in three minutes by Emma in a loser must tweet match or whatever the crap it was. Yeah, something lame. Yeah. I have a really big problem with them doing this because it it really just takes you out of everything, right? Naya 
Nia's turn on Alexa should have meant something more going forward. It, you know, Nia pushing towards the championship, all of that great stuff. And for them to just sort of throw her back with Alexa, it it really just, it bugs me. Like, th- this shouldn't be happening. And as much as I'm looking forward to watching Alexa and Mickey have the match, no way in hell is Mickey James winning because Alexa, at this point, is basically keeping the championship warm for Asuka whenever she comes in. So This is assuming... This is assuming Oscar comes in as a baby face. Even if she doesn't, there's there's, uh, there's I, no way she's not running through everybody on the roster to get to that championship. There's no way. I agree with that, but at the same time, this is assuming Oscar comes in as a baby face because I think that the uh, the Alexa match would be saved for when their face heel alignments are more adjusted. I I just don't see. It. There, everything that they've done to this point on Raw has been to, and even when she was on SmackDown, has been to make Alexa Bliss a star because they know, one, I think her promo ability is really head and shoulders above a lot of people in the division on either show. Two, people Jeez. love... Go ahead. I was just going to say, you mentioned them making Alexa a star. They probably see Alexa as the next Trish. <laughs> and frankly, they're not far off with that opinion. I see it too. I think so as well. Her ring her ring work could still use, you know, some time to develop and, and that will surely come. But as far as presence and star power and promo ability and all of that, she's very easy to hate. I think they've done a great job of doing all that. And they've gotten behind her fully. There's no reason I think to move the belt to Mickey just for a month just to have Oscar run her over. It's the story is gonna be Asuka coming up through the ranks. Here's Alexa. She gets to Alexa, she runs through her because obviously Alexa has been portrayed in the certain light of, yes, she can win, but she has to take all these shortcuts and all that good stuff. And I just, th- this is the end of the story for Alexa for now until they decide to turn it around or, or whatever they're going to do. But I just, I don't think Mickey has a shot in hell. And, and this, it just sort of makes for a dull moments on television. As, as great as I thought the first segment was, I thought this week was largely a miss. I'm going to disagree with you on two different fronts there. One, I don't think Nia Jax is as important as they're trying to portray her to be because I don't think she's that good of a worker. She's showing signs of improvement, but I think she was brought up way too early because of her family name. I will agree with you on that, but I still... They've they've pushed her as far as they want to push her without actually giving her the championship, and this feels like a step back already in that tone. So you might be right on that front, but... I still think Nia is definitely the future, their future of what they want to see as far as who's going to hold the belt. I still think she's too much of a liability inside of the ring right now. It's never stopped them before. (laughs) Granted, but at the same time, and I, I go back to the fact that within like a month or two of each other, she hurt Charlotte and Bailey. Mm hmm. Look, I get it's not ballet and stuff, but when you're the contributing and common factor there, obviously something's wrong with you. Yeah. What was the other thing you disagreed with me on? Uh, I disagree that I'm not interested in in, uh, Alexa and Mickey. I think that they have a they have a history from when Alexa brought Mickey back into the WWE, and I Mm -hmm. believe that 
much the same way that we talked about Serena Deeb during the Mae Young Classic, Mickey still has a lot to offer to these girls here in terms of her expertise and her ability to help them advance as workers mm-hmm. as well as characters. Mickey was one of the more defining characters of the women's division around that 2005 era when she took the title off of Trish, and I feel like she could help a lot of these women develop personalities that they are necess- not necessarily sorely missing, but are definitely not as aggressive towards you as, say, Alexa Bliss's personality is. Right. I will also agree with you on that, because I do believe Mickey has a lot to contribute, but the position they've put her in, as you mentioned, where she was basically jobbing out to everybody to now suddenly contending, uh, and she's given the championship match at TLC after beating uh, Nia tonight by DQ, uh, it doesn't really, like, there's no way to me that she feels credible, even winning like this. Um, and to say that you beat Nia is, is certainly something in the division, at least as far as the story goes, but I just, there's, there's nothing here. I think that really attracts you this week. Last week I I would, I was singing a different tune. This week feels like a step back. Or agree to disagree on this one. We can talk about the tag match now, which was just awful. Yes. Uh, later on in the evening, you do have Sasha Banks and Bailey teaming up with Emma and Alicia Fox. Almost 13 minutes, which is way too long for something that didn't have anything behind it. Uh, I let, let, that, let that sink in for a second, Paul. Mm-hmm. An Alicia Fox match got 13 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? I mean, I like three quarters of this equation, right? I mean, this just... Yes, granted. I mean, I'm I'm a little more indifferent towards Sasha than most. I don't get the hype, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love me some Emma. I love me some Bailey. Alicia is long past her expiration date. Yes. As a character and as an in-ring performer. You know, she's been with the company now for 12 years. Yeah. How, the, how did that happen? I mean, she, they've always found something for her to do, and she's had little moments where she's gotten over at this point i almost miss her dragging noem dar down <laughs> i uh Al- i don't almost <laughs> almost uh i mean i think the most memorable thing for me about alicia is when she was just out and out full-on crazy but she works in the I mean, mean girl role as we've seen before i mean she did kind of hit nye in the head with that one thing that she threw in a backstage segment the water bottle i think it was that was pretty funny <laughs> that was funny <laughs> But as far as this particular match goes, yeah, they're they're going a long time to tell a story that, oh, Bailey and Sasha are still the bestest of... No, they're not. Yeah, they're not. This is ending up with one of them turning on the other one, and the sooner it happens so we can actually get to it, the better, because they've been teasing this for so long. Mm -hmm. I made this comparison with Gary last week, and I'll mention the same thing to you. They're Steinering this feud. Uh, I agree with you entirely. They're taking so long with the burn on this mm-hmm. that nobody's going to care once the turn actually happens. Yeah. Because they've been teasing it now since, like, after, the night after WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even in the build-up to WrestleMania when Bailey retained the title. They've been teasing it so much, so much, so much, so much, much that when it finally happens, it'll be like, oh, mm-hmm. well, finally. I, um, if you're a regular listener to this, I, I was lauding for a long time that Sasha and Bailey were going to get a chance to sort of try to recapture the magic that they had at, uh, NXT Brooklyn, uh, a couple years ago this year at SummerSlam, uh, sort of returning to the scene of the crime and, and all that. That's what I call it. 
Yeah, I, I think maybe a lot of people were. I don't think it would have been hard to miss, and they they decided to pass on it because uh, one, I think Bailey got you know injury probably didn't help matters, and two, Sasha. <sighs> I don't want to say fell flat because I didn't. Her work with Alexa was good, but there has like since Charlotte's left, I don't think anybody really on the Raw roster outside of Alexa has really stood out as somebody who you could get behind because they mishandled Bailey and all these other things that have sort of led to them having a really flat division now. It's it's sort of kind of biting them in the butt now so much that you know this is where Oscar's going to end up. Yeah, when they when they were rocking Charlotte, Bailey, Sasha, and then you know you had your secondary characters as well, Nia and such, in order to support the division as well. The Raw Women's Division was arguably the best thing going on it and these days. I mean, the tag division isn't exactly on fire, but you could argue that the women's division is probably in a, about the same boat as the tag team division outside of Cesaro, Sheamus, slash Ambrose and Rollins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would agree with you entirely, and this is a, a sort of a, a great indicator, I think, of where the division is now, because you got this for too long with nothing going on, and I don't know. I, I'm with you. Whenever one of these people turn, I don't know if I'm really going to care. Hopefully it's Sasha. I think Sasha needs the facelift more, and uh, they can give a actual underdog story for Bailey another chance and see if that'll fly before you have to go back to the drawing board with her. And as far as this particular match, somebody did turn. Apparently, Alicia Fox is trying to big sure her way into the women's division record for heel face turns. <laughs> because with Emma dropping out and walking out on the match here, you got to assume that this is going to somehow lead to an Alicia Fox babyface turn, which I have zero freaking interest in. Mm-hmm. I, I, they want to keep Emma relevant, and I, I can appreciate Which that. I appreciate that, yeah. yes, likewise. I absolutely I can appreciate appreci- I can appreciate them wanting to do something with Emma. Unfortunately, Alicia Fox is not the answer. Right. For the record, neither is Nia Jax. <laughs> I don't know if they have a lot of great answers, right? I mean, both divisions are pretty thin. Uh, and this was my original problem going back to the brand split the first time around, was I was really hoping they would keep the women together on one division. You could put them on Raw. That's fine. But, you know, you, you're suddenly lacking depth both ways around, and it really hurts in situations like this. You see, I think SmackDown manages to make the most out of their women's division, although SmackDown also doesn't have that extra hour to fill either. That is absolutely correct. And for a time, I would agree with you, although now I do believe that at least all those women over there have characters. They're all fully developed. I think they all get a lot of time to really show off what they can do. And for that, I greatly appreciate it. It's just... The, I th- you could tell it's sort of kind of running a little flat over there. And Charlotte being away certainly hasn't helped matters over there either. But um, I don't know. Well, she's but, back now. so Yeah, that is true. She is back now. Uh, let's move on, though, because we spent a, a lot of time talking about the ladies here. Uh, <laughs> um, let's, let's talk uh, Bray Wyatt, who spends a lot of the night in the old smoke-filled room with the rocking chair, gets to rant about Sister Abigail. Uh, Finn comes out later for a promo. He's running down basically that he he's not really here to talk anymore. He wants to fight. He wants to prove himself. Uh, Wyatt very quickly cuts him off and starts talking about how Finn didn't actually make the demon. The man didn't make it. You know, bring bring your demon. Bring everything you got because apparently beating me twice hasn't shown me enough. And I'll show you what Sister Abigail actually has for me. And then you get this. 
I will say this was a nice little touch. You get this creepy little effect of face paint on Bray. You can hear him laughing and a woman sort of laughing off in the distance. Uh, I don't know if anybody still cares. I certainly don't. They've done an excellent job of making me not care about Finn, who should be, and I want to be the coolest guy in the room, but they they seemingly have no interest in telling that story at all because they want him here for whatever god-awful reason. Sorry, we were talking about Bray Wyatt. I I dozed off there for I I dozed off there for a second. (laughs) That's understandable. I I imagine a lot of people probably fell asleep in their chairs watching this. This literally has no legs left. It's time to move on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, That's all I I have. Nothing positive to add about this segment tonight. I'm done. Moving forward. WWE staple right there is keeping things going way past expiration day because they don't want to move anything else forward. So like I got the 50, I got the 50, 50 booking that took us to uh, no mercy. But once Finn beat Bray at no mercy after coming back from being dropped on the announce table before the match, <laughs> that should have been it yeah, done over, finished over. move on. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it means, even if it means going to something like Strowman and Balor, like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let let it happen to get Bray away f- to get Finn away from Bray Wyatt, or if you need something for Strowman to do until you decide what you're going to do with him going forward, have him work with Bray again. I th- I think that'd be fine too. It certainly have could use Bray another se- tag team. Well, not to mention you could have him have Bray send him after people too, like he still controls the mind of Strowman. Mm. I I mean I I don't know if I want to see a retread of that sort of story again from when Bray was still hanging out with Luke and. Well, it, uh, bruh. it beats the crap out of them continuing Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor. It's a very fair point. That's <laughs> a very fair point. Uh, Elias sings some songs about hating Denver and then uh, takes on Titus O'Neil, hey. beats him about three minutes after uh, Cruz tries a referee or, or starts arguing with the referee and that ends up doing Titus in. Um. Okay, first of all, we need to give Elias Sampson credit here. Or mm-hmm. just he's just Elias. That mother fudger played Lane Staley. <laughs> he did. That was an Alice in Chains song that he was pairing parodying tonight. And he played it chord for chord. I, I, I proudly say I walk with Elias. <laughs> and especially if, and especially if he's gonna face Titus. Who wants to see Titus in the ring? Yeah, I uh much prefer him on I, the outside. I love Titus as a personality. I love him as a manager, I love him as a mouthpiece. I do not need to see his clunky ass getting in the ring and wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's just so I don't always remember him being so clunky. So I I, I When Darren Young wasn't carrying him, I do. Fair enough. I that's that's really all Elias did tonight as he continues to just sort of hang out in the mid card beating people, which is fine. Which is fine. I uh, feel like I feel like they're going to go, I feel like they're going to go for it with Elias, but in order for them to do so they have to get these IC title off a of miss. That's a that's a real tough thing to try to sell me. I, I love the IC title on Miz. I could absolutely see them giving it to Roman at this point. I uh I, I would really rather they didn't. I I, I wouldn't either, but it yeah, does feel like it's going that way. 
My thought process would be is that I think Elias is somebody who definitely has a future in the in the mid to upper card on Raw, mm-hmm. and right now he's he's doing this feud with Titus Worldwide, which granted is a step up from his previous feud with r Truth. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta think that they have bigger and better in mind for Elias. <laughs> it, it feels like they do. I, he's very effective at getting crowds to hate him. Uh, so for that, certainly something to take your hats off for. Uh, Matt Hardy teams up with Jason Jordan to take on the Good Brothers tonight. Uh, Jason obviously feeling in for the injured Jeff, who's going to be out for a long time, unfortunately. Uh, About Matt, six months. Yeah, which is just a shame. Uh, Matt, however, seems pretty intent on trying to move forward with this awakened idea. Um, some pretty clear delete stuff going on here, which I'm totally okay with. 11 minutes, Good Brothers end up getting the win after the Magic Killer. I'm fine with this. Well, you know why they got the win, right? Tell me why. Because Jason Jordan is a nerd. <laughs> As we saw in the backstage segment before the match. Um I'm I'm cool I'm I'm cool anytime Anderson and Gallows pick up a win. I still think that Anderson and Gallows realigning themselves with Balor and then possibly Ant- Maybe a Balor heel turn to align with Anderson and Gallows, perhaps to face the Shield once they get done with Miz in the bar would be a lot of fun to watch. I feel like that is a great direction to take all of this going forward. Uh, And was certainly on my mind whenever I was reading through this. Just one, it would freshen Finn up. Uh, I, I loved his heel gimmick in New Japan, which is hopefully where they would sort of try to siphon off of. But um, I... I really like that idea, and I like I like Finn as an Intercontinental Champion for a while as well. If they wish to do that, I was kind of hoping they would pull the trigger on that Finn Miz feud. They uh, they never did that though, so this might be a nice workaround if they wish to get to that. Yeah, I would definitely be a okay with them doing Balor Club versus Shield going forward this year because I feel like that would refreshen up the Finn character, especially after being stuck in this stale as dog dirt feud with Bray Wyatt for the last three months. Yep. It would give Anderson and Gallows a chance to step up the card because those guys have been putting in really good performances in the tag division. It's just nobody's noticing because the only two tag teams that anybody's really been paying attention to in regards to the division have been the Ambrose and Rollins and the Hardys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it would give the Shield something that they could sink their teeth into once this thrown-together pairing of Cesaro, Sheamus, and Miz is past them. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that's a great call. It, it really works going forward. It, it would certainly at least make the Good Brothers feel important, which I'm totally down with. I love them as a tag team. Uh, I love Finn still as much as I don't care about him right now. He's still somebody who I have a lot of respect for and really want to see succeed here and Turning him heel and giving him a new direction to push forward that way, totally on board with all that. Especially with the Shield, who is arguably on the verge of being a very hot act again. Because I think, as I said earlier, people very much want to see them back together. So That uh, that leaves us with one last thing to talk about, and that's Enzo, who gets to main event the show once again. Uh, he... Well- I figured out why Enzo's main eventing these shows, because they realize nobody's watching in the third hour anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So at least this way they can give the third hour main event spot to somebody who, let's be honest, they don't really care either way what he does or doesn't do. I think there's that, and there's certainly the fact that this does give Enzo to play up the opportunity that he is sort of what he says he is, right? That he's a big star, he's getting them to the main event on Raw, which is, I mean, it's still the flagship show for the WWE. 
He's giving cruiserweights a bigger spotlight because of himself, and it all plays very well into his reasonings on the promo, so much so that I don't necessarily mind him restating all that again. Uh, He also has the added point now of since the entire cruiserweight division attacked him, they can all no longer have a title match, which I appreciate that for for them sticking to that. Uh, They all end up coming out again and surrounding the ring. However, they can't really do anything because now Enzo has a new clause where if they attack him, they will be fired. Uh, and Kurt Angle comes out to sort of rectify that and says, you know what, man, uh, no one can challenge you, and that's correct, but I've signed this new guy, and he can certainly challenge you, and that is Kalisto, and uh, the crowd goes basically nowhere because mild. they don't care. I, I, would, mild. I would say mild is too strong. <laughs> and, indifferent? Uh, I, indifferent might cover it. Uh, I don't know. I, there's some people out there doing the Lucha chant in the crowd that you can see, but... They certainly weren't loud enough to make it feel like anybody in the building cared so much. And he runs in and hits the Salida del Sol. I, I dig the mask, though. It looks a lot like Great Muda. Uh, so I, I appreciate him trying to sort of reinvent his look a little here. But I, do you have any great hopes for this at all moving forward? Uh, first of all, I want to compliment Enzo on insulting each of the Cruiserweights individually as he went around the ring. I thought that was completely in line with his shtick. Second of all, I actually really like Kalisto, so I'm looking forward to seeing if Kalisto can bring Enzo to a decent match. Mm-hmm. I thought the Neville match was okay at Great Balls of or not at Great Wow at No Mercy. Mm-hmm. I'm mixing up my B pay per views now. That's fair. I There's thought, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, really, I thought the uh, the No Mercy Neville match was okay. I mean, obviously the finish leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. I would as- I would assume that. Uh, Kalisto is probably as good of a worker, if not as good of a personality, as Neville is. But he doesn't need to be a personality in the match with Enzo. Enzo and and Neville were kind of a clashing personalities thing in that they're they're both these big, over-the-top characters. Whereas Enzo can carry the Kalisto feud personality-wise, and hopefully Kalisto can carry the feud from an in-ring perspective. I, I was not a very large fan of Enzo and Neville at No Mercy. Um, I would say that Enzo is spectacularly talented at being able to have a as bad a match as they did at No Mercy with somebody who is super great like Neville. I don't have a lot of great hope that Kalisto, who who is a great worker in his own right, uh, and somebody who I still really like to watch perform, is going to be able to get any better out of him. But I don't think that's necessarily what this feud is here for, right? Or what any feud with Enzo is going to be going forward is... He's going to be built up as the punching bag, once again, who continues to succeed despite people not wanting him to. And we're going to see how far that can take the division and see if that can move the marker at all for for anybody as far as people watching 205 Live on a weekly basis. Well, I know there are a lot of people who are certainly paying more attention now that Enzo Amore is involved. And I think there are certain people that will pay more attention now that Kalisto is involved as well, because I do believe Kalisto does have something of a fan base. I would agree with you on... On that, I, it's not like he's ever been treated super great, especially since he lost the U.S. Championship and all that. But I, uh, I still really like watching him wrestle. He's a fun performer. Uh, well, not just, you know the promos and all that because I, I swear they're gonna have he's gonna be talking on two hundred five live, and I don't know if anybody's looking forward to hearing you know good lucha thing over again. Yeah, let's keep microphones out of his hand if we could. <laughs> You you've heard one Kalisto promo. You've heard one Kalisto promo too many. Yeah, that's true. Very true. 
Well, then let let's, Enzo uh, go ahead. Let Enzo carry this feud on the microphone. Let Kalisto try to carry it in the ring. Try being the operative word. I just I have zero faith in Enzo's wrestling ability now outside of tag work. So I uh, I don't know. We're just gonna have to see how this sort of shakes out moving forward. But people are, are talking about two hundred five live more, and I guess that's the main takeaway that that WWE wants out of this. Whether it affects what people were originally watching the show for or not, I don't know if that necessarily matters much. We just got to rate this though, Harry. Um, what are your thoughts on the overall show? What well, number are you gonna give it? Well, real quick before I do that here, I think that they're looking at this from a sports entertainment perspective. 205 mm-hmm. had a whole lot of sport, but not a ton of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Enzo brings that entertainment factor. It's true. L- love him or hate him, he brings that entertainment factor, so I think that's what they're looking for with this. I mean, that's a fair point. I, we, we often, before I, uh, when I was still doing 205 Live Review, so we often talked about how there are very few personalities on here. And I think that's why Neville succeeded so much is that he brought this big personality that just drew, drew people. Just wasn't enough people apparently. Uh, but I do hope, however, a promotion to the, to the main roster, to the heavyweights, so to speak, is in his future because I think he would be a great foil for the Intercontinental title as well. I was just about to say, I want Neville and Miz for the IC title tomorrow. That could be really great. And once Miz, well, okay, let me rephrase that. I want Neville and Miz for the IC title once Miz is done with his whole shield shenaniganery. All right, mm-hmm. moving on to the rating. Let's do it. Um, five and a half. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, not a great show or anything, but they certainly—they definitely set the table for bigger things to come here. And you got to think too—we're in one of those summer lull months where they really don't traditionally do a whole lot creatively this time of the year. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we're getting the Shield reunion right now, rather than on the road to WrestleMania or in the build to SummerSlam, which a lot of people thought was going to happen, I feel like they deserve a little bit of credit for actually trying to put forth some creative effort in regards to something that a lot of fans want to see in the reunion of the Shield. Into the attempted re- the attempted revitalization of the cruiserweight division, even if maybe the tag team divisions and the women's division are suffering by comparison. So I'm going to go with a five and a half, and I would lean that closer to a six. I'm going to go with a five. the The half of the show, and it is basically half of the show that is dedicated to moving the Shield reunion forward. I thought was all very well done. The Miz's work was great. Everybody involved in that, I think, is done was was awesome, and that's where a lot of the line share of good wrestling this evening was too, from Braun and Seth to Roman and the Miz as well. Uh, I, the women's stuff really stuck in my craw. I, I hate continuity errors as much as I, I think anybody else, uh, and just it, it really bugs me that Nia and Alexa are back on the same page. Not to mention the uh just absolutely long waste of time i think that women's tag match was for no other reason than to waste time everything else throughout the evening is kind of bore snore uh it's not really moving the dot for me i i have turned on enzo pretty hard uh and that that has sort of pushed me away from watching 205 live at least live i'll I'll catch little bits of it here or there but i uh I don't know. It's just it's not doing a lot for me. M- much like I think a lot of WWE programming right now isn't really doing a lot for me. But there are parts of it that really do work, and I, I think the Shield stuff right now is is sort of where the money is for him. So, uh, did you want to plug anything before we get on out of here, Harry? Yeah, um, I'm. It's all Harry all week on the W2M Network, as I will be filling in for Gary again for the NXT review, mm-hmm. as well as. I debut my new co-host for the SmackDown and 205 Live reviews tomorrow night. 
That's and true. for the first time, for the first time in W2M Network history, on a wrestling show, the co-host is a woman. Very cool. So you'll see that uh, tomorrow night for SmackDown and 205 Live. I'll be back with Paul for the NXT review on Thursday. And then Patrick and I will have Wu reacts to Hell in the Cell this Sunday night. Oh, boy. What a what a great show that's sure to be. <laughs> Hell in a Cell. I, lo- I love listening to wrestling and raps. Do you guys bickering? Is uh, something I look forward to and have lived through several times. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's going to do it for us, though. Um, thank you, guys. Oh, admit it, you oh, love us. Huh? Admit it, you love us. You, you know, I uh, I always have a good time doing shows with you guys. You know that. So as as much as we uh, say the opposite on air, uh, it's mostly all just for laughs. So. <laughs> uh, appreciate- Go ahead. Just saying, it's a work. <laughs> it is work. It is a work by and large. Uh, thank you guys for listening so much. I greatly appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, everything may or may not be back to normal next week. I I, I don't know. It's sort of uh, living on a whim here on W2M. But thank you guys once again for listening. Have a great night. And thanks once again to 411 Mania. And last word on ProWrestling.com. Both great places. Go check them out. We're obviously over there on W2Mnet.com as well as anywhere else podcasts can be found. For Harry Broadhurst, I'm Paul Leeser. Thank you guys for listening, and have a great night. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.